NFL Week 8 is over. The trade deadline has finally come. There have been some very interesting new players entering the game and making a statement. There have been some heartbreaking losses for some teams with seemingly no direction. We're going to talk about all that and preview a very exciting Thursday night football matchup. All that and more coming up on The House Call. Welcome back to the Gridiron segment. My name is Kyle. I'm going to be breaking down some Week 8 action with my man Gage and Justin. And we are also going to be talking about some Thursday night football action between the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we get to all that, I've got to give it a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Vivid Seats. Listen, if you want to get to a sporting event this year, you've got to use Vivid Seats. They're guaranteed tickets. You can use the link in our description, save yourself some money, and go get your butt in a seat with Vivid Seats. Sports sports are in full swing. They're all here. Why not do it? Make it happen. Go to Vivid Seats and get yourself to a sporting event. Now, we had some very, very interesting upsets in Week 8. None more interesting, I think, than the Denver Broncos beating the Kansas City Chiefs 24-9. to Patrick Mahomes... It finally lost to the Broncos, apparently, uh, and didn't even score a touchdown. Gage, I'm going to go to you first. Talk to me about KC Denver. Uh, I I don't know how I want to, which way I want to take this. As if I've seen a lot of things that it was like, oh, Vegas needs to make their money back. Let's now make this narrative. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is now sick and all this. And blah, blah, blah. NFL's rigged. There's that whole thing going on over there. I don't know what to make of it because. I'm more down on Kansas City's defense for letting that one go because, like, yeah, okay, if Pat, if Patrick Mahomes is sick and, like, not 100%, A, just, just don't play the game. If you're going to be a detriment to your team, just don't play the game. Just because you're Patrick Mahomes at 30% doesn't mean you're better than someone that's 100%. Cool, we know who you are. You are the reigning MVP. You're the super reigning Super Bowl champion quarterback. But like, just be, just get better. <clears throat> like, take, you take a, a week. Like, you don't have you don't have to prove it, do or die. Week eight. Yeah, against the Denver Broncos. Like, like just let it let it go. Just let it go. Andy <laughs> Reid can win with anyone. It's fine. No, Andy Reid is a brilliant. But edge. down on Casey's defense, giving a twenty-four to Russell Wilson and a very mediocre Denver offense. Yeah, no, I I honestly couldn't believe the score when I saw it, and I kept on going back to it, like, oh, Kansas City's obviously going to turn it up, and they never really did, and it was just weird. It was a weird game. Um, I do fault Kansas City's defense a little bit more than I'll credit. Denver's offense but I will also say Denver's defense has made some decent adjustments and like Vance Joseph has heard the criticism so that's at least a good sign for Denver it seems uh Justin I'm gonna go to you next talk to me a little bit about uh a bottom tier team being able to successfully perform an upset uh, so <laughs> listen I'm wearing the bag today where if y'all can hear me great but this was not on Patrick Mahomes today. This was on costly mistakes by Kansas City overall. You have a plus four turnover differential in this game. 
with Kansas City turning the ball over five different times. The two interceptions from Mahomes. Mahomes also fumbled the ball. MVS fumbled. Uh, McCole Harmon muffed the punt. So if you have all of that, you are essentially giving Denver the short field, which is allowing them to score a lot easier on your defense. And if you really go into the stats of it, this is not something, if you just looked at it on paper, that Denver would have won. They only got a little over 300 yards in total offensive yards in the game. It's just so happened that they capitalized on all the mistakes that Kansas City did. And I said it on the last uh, episode I was on. Everybody is going to have a trap game. You could be the top team in the NFL. You're going to have this one game a year that a very, very underrated, not underrated, overrated, complete underdog team that nobody even cares about is going to beat you. And most times it's going to beat you bad. And unfortunately, it was Kansas City's turn this week. This is not going to be the standard going forward. Nobody needs to worry about KC. I just think that y'all need to hold on to the football. That's it. No, absolutely. That's the biggest disparity because you look at every other stat on here and they had the same number of drives. You know, they had comparable first downs. They had very comparable, uh, (laughs) very uh, comparable time of possession, even though Denver eked it out a little bit. But that's because they're a more rush heavy team. Uh, you look at penalties, they were penalized basically the exact same amount. It was within three yards. Uh, but to see this score be 24 to nine, it's so obvious. You look at the five to one turnover differential, just like you said, Justin. And obviously, Casey can clean that up. It's more of like, hey, Denver, you took advantage of the situations that were presented to you and you won a game that you shouldn't have. Congratulations. You're still not a, you're, you're still not a team with any sort of playoff future. And it's exciting to see scrappy games still, but I don't think it's alarm bells for KC. And I don't don't think it's necessarily haul out the banners and confetti for Denver either. Uh, But we'll move right along. We've got to talk about your two favorite teams, the New York Giants and New York Jets. Just were playing playing punsies. They were like, I'll, I'll say it. They were punting back and forth for the better part of an entire game. Uh, I'll go to the Jets fan first. Gage, talk to me about a thrilling overtime win. If you look at the game, and like, OT, oh, 13-10. I was been like, real close game. A lot of defensive ball. No, it was just two really bad teams playing even worse. <laughs> and <clears throat> somehow, I turned the game off. And in the chat was the only reason I knew that the Jets were even in overtime and were about to win this game because of Dory Jackson decided I'm not going to turn my head around. I'm just going to tackle. Um, I forgot. I think it was Garrett Wilson or Aaron Lazard. Let me just tackle him real quick and just lose this game. Just let's get this over with. How do you let Zach Wilson, who hasn't done anything all day, get 75 plus yards in 30 seconds and spike the ball with one second left. Like the math is not mathing out here. It's just not the math does not math. And God, like Justin called it. The Giants need to fire sell that whole fucking team out. Like you had expectations this year and you met like 
nothing. Like zero, zero quarterback play. Danny Dimes, when he was healthy, looked worse than Tyrod Taylor when he was healthy. Tommy DeVito couldn't get, Brian Dable just didn't let him throw the ball. Here's a stat for you. The, the end Giants of the game with negative the nine yards passing. times than Zach Wilson completed a pass. There's a stat how, for you. How how do you have negative nine yards in 2023 in the NFL and still almost win a game? The Jets were two for 15 on third Saquon down. Barkley. Saquon Barkley was the only person. No, Thomas Morstead for point. MVP. What, like, God, <laughs> it was an abysmal game. How do you come off a of bye week? After beating the Eagles, and there should have been a give-me game against the Giants, and you just jets it. You just disappoint on the highest level. All right, Justin, sorry to Now you can flip the coin and go on from the other side. Justin, take it away. Talk to us about your Giants. Okay. You know what? Let me, let me, uh, everybody got to see it. I'm going to take this off. We've got to see your beautiful face. All right. Before I get into my rant on this, I, I got to give my flowers to everybody who deserves it, and that's the defense itself. The Giants' defense held the Jets' offense. Held Brees Hall under 20 yards on the ground. Period. Got, what, five sacks in the game. Kayvon Thibodeau, y'all see it in the name. Kayvon got three by himself with a forced fumble, three tackles for loss. Th- this should have been a game where I should have been able to come on this show today and tell WFAN, y'all can suck it for those comments y'all made about Kayvon Thibodeau because he was a monster in this game. Dexter Lawrence demolished y'all. His, literally took out two of y'all centers. I'm sorry about that. Um, but we I knew it was going to be an ugly for that game. one. Like seven <laughs> people got hurt. MetLife, like, please. MetLife is known for it. Bro, just end um, the turf thing in the NFL. Yeah. Please. Too many people getting hurt. Shout out Kirk but- Cousins. But we we knew that this was going to be an ugly game overall. The rain was horrible. We knew this was going to be more of a rushing attack and who was going to make the least amount of mistakes. But unfortunately, it felt like the team that made the most mistakes, i.e. the Jets with the penalties and the turnovers, still found a way to win. And I could, I could you know, get mad at the referees. Uh, one, because you mentioned that uh, long pass that Zach Wilson made where they were able to clock it with one second left. I thought, I thought referees were supposed to place the ball before a play gets started. But if you look at the replay, what happens is that the center for the Jets placed it and all the ref did was tap it, let them clock it. I, I could complain about that, but at the same time, I'm also going to say, you let the players play, so I can't even fault you for that. Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody talks about, oh, that offsides penalty was on him. He lost us the game because it stopped the clock. Um, hi. He posted up a story showing that he actually wasn't offsides. It wasn't encroachment. He actually just jumped the snap count. But where this all lies is like the Giants did what the Giants always do, and it's find a way to lose games that you had a chance to win. And for every Giants fan who's jumping at Brian Dable because of that decision to go for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth and one, um, here's the thing. I think he made the right decision on that. I think if he didn't 
if he ran the ball on fourth and one and didn't make it, we all still be screaming the same things just the other way around. I don't care what anybody says. I would always go for the points and try to make the Jets go 80 plus yards to try to score a touchdown to end the game. I would do the same thing. But unfortunately, Giants lose. We're two and six. I said it that we just needed to clean house, just recoup draft capital. That's what they did. I know we're going to talk about some uh, trade deadline moves, so I'll save it for that. No, yeah, it's uh, the Giants did make some sales. We'll get to all of that. And God, this game was just so bleh. Uh, outside of Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence, there's really nothing to enjoy with, with this game. I mean, whoa, whoa. Hey. defense holding up to a team to negative nine passing yards. Dude, you held Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito. But what's, what's the last time you've seen a team put up negative passing yards? I, I don't know the last time I saw a team throw the ball 14 times when it wasn't a fucking hurricane force wind. Uh, Bill Belichick has entered the chat. When it wasn't. <laughs> when it wasn't. Hurricane force wins. I'm just saying the Jets defense is carrying this team to like oh, God, any yeah. sort That's of relevancy. No it is Quincy Williams is that man, and I will hear nothing else. No, he's phenomenal. But both of those, both of the Williams, honestly, Quinnen and Quincy. But I will also say, um, Garrett Wilson seems to be inside of Deontay Banks's head from college to the NFL. One-on-one matchups, it wasn't going to work. No. I mean, That's my if Garrett Wilson had a quarterback, that man is putting over 1,000-yard seasons like it's like it's a give-me. That's the problem with the Jets. They just can't get – I mean, we had one. We had You did have one. For, for four, four plays, plays, we had one. For four plays. For four, for four plays. Four plays. Um, but <laughs> – but maybe he's coming back. If, like that's what I keep on hearing. Dude, watching him like throw pregame warmups and actually dropping back and planting, I don't know. How, that man is not a human being. You should not be able to do that right now. That's the power of ayahuasca, bro. I don't know what experimental shit he put in his body or what experimental surgery that shit was. At thirty nine years old, you should not recover like this. To walk without a boot walk with just an ankle brace and regular sneakers and go through your pregame warmups. No. Is it normal for the NFL that. to drug test players who've been injured the whole year? Because I think they might start doing that with Aaron. I mean, you won't come back for anything that ton that drug test. Let me tell you, it's some shit that you got to specifically test for. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's not PEDs. It's, it's, uh, I guess they're detractors if you think about it, because no one's going out there on mushrooms doing very well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure he's been there. Not a lot. Microdose, sure. We're talking about this too much. We need to move on. My man's on a perk 30 getting through five minutes of a game. <laughs> oh, no. We have to we have, we have to talk about the Bengals and the 49ers. Ah. Too much too much ayahuasca talk. Too much ayahuasca talk. Cincinnati takes down San Francisco 31 to 17. It never even felt close. The Bengals offense feels like back. 
like, is that crazy to say? The Bengals offense, it seems like they're in midseason form, if you will. Uh, Gage, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Talk to me a little bit about Cincy SF. Uh, it just, like, I think I said it last Friday's episode. Joe Burrow is just healthy now. He just can put weight on his calf and throw off his back foot and actually get some power into his throws and start making throws. Like, and avoid the rush. Yeah, like their offensive line still needs to get better. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But it's the same team they put together last year. It's the same team they put together to a Super Bowl two years ago, pretty much. Their offensive weapons are the same. So if by law of you should have the same, at least not the like, if you don't want to be the best offense, you're still going to have a very good offense. Your defense is still good enough. Yeah, so, no. Yes, if, if the Bengals are back. Thirty-one points. Your defense can be fine. Joe Burrow is back. They that whole team will put up twenty to five, twenty-four to thirty-five points a game. The defense just has to give up less than twenty, and you win a game. No matter what, you win in the game. No, and it's so great. God, it's so. So great the AFC it. North is now in a is a wild, wild race. Um, if Matt Canada wasn't the offensive coordinator for. <laughs> Pittsburgh, uh, that would be a three. That would be a three-team race because that team's defense is winning games by themselves, and TJ Watt by by himself. TJ Watt is so goddamn. And you know, Browns having the number one defense in the NFL also is helping that make a race. You just, I mean, Um, you just look at the AFC North, and it's phenomenal. It's a great division. But transversely, you now go to the other side of that game. Uh, I don't think Brock Purdy is a fraud. I'm just going to make my first statement that right away. He was drafted in the seventh round. This is irrelevant. Exceeding expectations for you have for that guy you drafted in that spot. All, he proved he can be a starting quarterback. Can he be a winning quarterback? It is now where you might start to think about it. Because, you know, I lost two weapons. And... You know, Trent Williams not being on the offensive line, hurting and all that, but he's made some bad decisions. He hasn't played a full season in the NFL. It's still a year or two if you want to go by, like, just he played last year. He's got a lot of experience. He's still young. He's still getting through a lot of learning curves. Like, And he shouldn't be in this position, but he is because of how he's practiced, how he's played, and he, he can't say he's a fraud. There's nothing about him just because he has offensive weapons. You want to give your quarterback weapons on offense. So why are you knocking this guy for having them? And he's winning that's games. The, that's the thing that always blew my mind is like the, num- the number one critique of the Bears was always, oh, well, they need to put weapons around fields. And then they turn around and say, Purdy has too many weapons. He, like He's a fraud. I'm like, so what, the f- what do you want? What do you want here? But no, I, I don't think. I don't think Purdy's a fraud either. So I think that I, I think it's a learning curve. San, San Francisco just isn't playing to their potential. They are injured. They're banged up. But if you for a second think like, oh, they're a bad team, they won't like. You're wrong. Their team's gonna get healthy and be a menace like we all knew they were gonna be. They went out traded for Chase Young, which we'll um, we'll touch on later. Like, don't know how that got anywhere approved by the league. That's wild. That and, defensive line is disgusting. The defense is just getting better. It's already Fred Warner and 
is probably the best linebacker in the NFL. Man covers the field like a safety at like 260 something pounds. And he's fast and shit, man. Their offense will get together. Kyle Shanahan will make a game plan. Brock Purdy will settle down. He also probably still has a concussion. After, if you've seen the video of him holding his head after he got hit. Debo will get back. Give him a second option. CMC will run for 130 yards a game with two touchdowns. And Kittle will have almost 100 yards. And you'll get back on track. It happens. Seattle's now going to make it difficult. Because they see the division is wide open. And Pete Carroll's going to do Pete Carroll things. So it's going to be a dogfight out there. Those are both your two representatives in the playoffs from that division. And you just got to let the season play out. It's up and down. No, it is. You you, you can't you can't overreact to stuff like this, especially because we have to realize they lost to Joe Burrow's Bengals, a healthy Joe Burrow's Bengals. All but one team in 2021 lost to that team, so don't feel like don't feel bad about that. Uh, Justin, I'm going to you next. Talk to me a little bit about Bengals Niners. Sure. So, look on the Bengals side, it's easy. A healthy Joe Burrow, this team makes a deep run in the playoffs. We've seen it. We're seeing it right now. He's healthy, which means that offense is clicking, and that defense for is criminally underrated for the Bengals. They can get the job done. They can get you as far as you want to go. They got to a Super Bowl for a reason. So I'm just going to leave it at that with the Bengals. The Niners, on the other hand, this game and the previous two games before that shows two issues, one short-term issue and one possibly serious issue. Short-term issue, this is why you pay Trent Williams all the money you did. Because Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson meeting at the quarterback, you need him back at that left side because Brock Purdy needs all the protection he gets. Speaking of Purdy, and listen, y'all can roll back the tape to when we did the NFC West prediction. I said this. Um, Brock Purdy can show to be a good to great starting quarterback. But let's see what happens now that NFL defenses have tape on him. And what happened? Some of the commentators actually brought up that one of the things that Brock Purdy does well is his anticipation. He doesn't have the best arm strength to just zip it in there, but he can anticipate where his receivers are going to be at. And by the time they make their cuts, ball's already halfway there. Guess what? If commentators know that, NFL defensive coordinators know that too. And if you look at one of the interceptions that he threw in this game to Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker, he was baited. Jermaine Pratt looked one way. Brock Purdy had it in his head. The linebacker's going left. I'm going to throw it right. Jermaine Pratt turns back around, gets him the whole time, baits him through, picks it off. Every defense now knows that Brock Purdy stings anticipation. So if you can bait him, you can make get him to make mistakes. And it's going to be interesting to see how Brock Purdy does the rest of the way, knowing that defenses know this. Yeah, and this is, this is what a lot of people were waiting for. What happens when you get film on Brock Purdy? And I'm very interested to see, okay, how does Brock Purdy react to people getting film on him? Because he has been able to, he has been able to learn fast and adapt quickly. 
otherwise he wouldn't have been able to be an NFL starter from where from his program in college because he didn't go to an SEC school. He wasn't a quarterback of a big powerhouse program. So I'm very interested to see how he bounces back. Uh, but we've got to talk about some of these insane trades that we keep on hinting at because I'm just getting too excited. We have the trade deadline. It came and went. It's over. And it was pretty quiet. It usually is. It, like nothing, nothing crazy happens on NFL trade deadlines usually. When it does, it's great. But we still had some fun moves. Uh, my Bears went out and got Montez Sweat for a second round, which was – it, it, you know, interesting because the 49ers got Chase Young for a, for a third round pick, which pisses me off quite a little bit, but I digress. Um, let's talk about some of these. Uh, give me your, give me some of your favorite uh, trade deadline moves. I'm just going to start with you, Justin. Okay. So let's touch on that one because as someone who pays attention to the NFC East, it is, it shocked me at what exactly the Washington, um, um, what's called the Washington football team, the Washington commanders got in these trades. So in a way, I understand it. You do get a higher pick for Montez Sweat over Chase Young because Chase Young may be more talented and have a higher ceiling. However, Montez Sweat is more readily available than Chase Young is. He doesn't have the injury history that Chase Young did. So that did prep provide more of a premium pick. I am honestly surprised to see Chicago being buyers in this trade deadline market just because of the way the season's panned out, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and with him Niners, being up for a contract next year anyways, when you yeah. have to pay Jalen Johnson already. Like, it makes no sense. Now, let's move on to, you know, the Ohio State 49ers that decides to put back the team of Chase Young and Nick Bosa. Um, if Chase Young stays healthy – that's going to be scary combination. That's terrifying. Because not to mention, you're going to worry about those two on the outside. Oh, yeah. Eric Armstead's coming right from the middle as well. Mm -hmm. So good luck the rest of the way of going through that defense. Um, but to talk about my favorite trade, because, you know, that affects me. Um, we, the Giants, traded Leonard Williams over to Seattle and I know a lot of Giants fans feel emotional toward it because Leo has been with the Giants for five years, came over from the Jets, so he's never actually left New York up until now. But give it up for Joe Shane making gold out of it, essentially, because every Giants reporter, every Giants commentator on social media, even myself, thought we'd probably get like a fourth, fifth round pick for it. But Joe Shane somehow managed to get a second round and a fifth next year for that, which gives the Giants options because with the first round pick, that's going to probably be high and two second round picks. Now comes a lot of questions. Do you want to jump to the top of the draft? Maybe draft a quarterback. You could jump to somewhere in the middle of the first round, get two uh, first round talents, get two second round talents. Gives them a lot of options there. And I think... It helps them in the future. Uh, so I was very interested in seeing how these uh, NFC East teams went through with the trades in the deadline. Um, I still think Eagles got it the best with that Kevin Byer trade they made prior to that, but I digress. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely an interesting day to see who was buying and who was selling. Um, to, to see Joshua Dobbs go to the Vikings – I think was probably the most entertaining thing because I'm like, 
he's he's gonna do well. I'm gonna Gage, I'm gonna go to you next. Talk to me about some of your favorite trade deadline moves. Perfect. Uh I like to see Josh Dobbs going to the Vikings. Proves Minnesota is not giving up on their season at all, chasing the Lions in that division. <clears throat> and Josh Dobbs has, has kept Arizona very competitive in all of their games, surprisingly. So good for him and getting much, but much, much better situation up in Minnesota. Uh, Leo going for more than the Jets traded for him five years ago was hell of a move hell of a move there like justin alluded to i would have liked to see the giants sell a little more with that we couldn't so here's the thing in order to get that leo trade done the giants had to eat the the rest of the salary for uh for leo which essentially means they just loaned him out over to seattle um the giants needed cap relief and the only I would have be- liked to see a Dory Jackson go. Nobody was going to take that. I would have liked to see Pinnock go. Let me lie. No, me. absolutely not. Pinnock has been one of the bright spots on that defensive backfield. You so guys could have sold happening. very high for him. Got a lot back in return for that. Nah. Um, uh, I would have. I personally would have liked to see the Jets get more offensive line help. Yeah, it stunned me that. A guard was on the move, and Ezra Cleveland ended up going to Jacksonville, not New York, who j- just got gutted in the interior offense. Yeah, but we picked up Roger Saffold. <laughs> cool. Uh, the Chase Young trade is – if you know football, you know how, how that trade is going to go. That's disgusting. It's a one-year rental. He's going to be in a contract year. If they re-sign him, like, I don't understand how that works in San Francisco cap magic that they keep pulling every year. John Lynch is a wizard. Um, Yeah, him and Harry Roseman are, if you see their phone call, if their phone numbers pop up, you just, you're going to get fleeced. So just probably leave the, leave the phone don't, alone. Don't answer. They're going to, they're going to get you. And uh, Tennessee keeps picking up that fucking phone. <laughs> uh, so... That defensive defense is nutty. But I think they're banking that Chase Young wants big money and that he won't be there long. Probably. Which I would also he's gonna demand money just off name and production on the field when he's on the field, which makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I would yeah. honestly it's like it's way too early prediction. If he doesn't stay in San Francisco for like a pay cut to just be in San Fran. I would look for him to go to Dallas. Interesting. That would be, oh, that would be a thorn in San Francisco's side eventually. Um, Um, No, that that, that Chase Young trade is so just, duh. It's gross. I, um, there was one, one other, uh, one, one, one that was actually very confusing for me that was just like kind of went under the radar. Was Cleveland trading Donovan Peoples-Jones? That made no sense for Cleveland, but I kind of like it for Detroit. And Cleveland needs all the offensive help they could get. And uh, DPJ even, like, very solid. They got got Donovan Peoples-Jones for next year's sixth-round pick that, like, basically nothing. And he doesn't have to be, like, the primary focus of 
he doesn't even have to be the wide receiver two. He can no. be the wide receiver three there. Uh, out, uh, well. uh, Detroit's doing this because Marvin Jones Jr. is having personal issues, so he stepped away from the game for an indefinite period of time. So they're getting a fill-in for him. Yeah. And I don't think what we've seen is Jameson Williams is that dude at all. You really think so? That the dude on that team is Amonra. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That like that is his. That, that, that that's his wide receiver room. Yeah, he he, he runs the wide yeah. receiver. And room. Jameson Williams no already in trouble with the gambling thing. Hasn't really had stellar production in the field. Was hurt all, almost all of last year in his rookie mm. year. So, so it's definitely like, hey, where where's the where's the hype? That came out when you got to this team. Like, where's where's it at? Because you were supposed to, you were supposed to be the number one guy, and end up finding Amon Ra and be like, oh no, this is this is the guy. So another low key move, just so we could get all of them out there. Uh, Rasul Douglas going to Buffalo from the Packers for a third round pick. Basically, Rasul Douglas and a fourth rounder going so, to Buffalo. I don't know if you guys saw that was a trade and uh, that was a sign and trade. Yeah. Really? Because I, if I remember correctly, Rasul Douglas signed with the Packers for three, three years, and then they traded him. I'm gonna have to look at this. I'm, I'm curious on that one because I never hear of a signing trade in the NFL. You usually hear that with the NBA. I know yeah. that's why I saw something about Rasul Douglas getting an extension and then getting traded. I'm looking into that, but not not seeing anything right now. <laughs> well, I think that's. I mean, we covered pretty much most all of the trade deadline moves, and there it, it wasn't very busy. Um, but you never you never really know what can happen once the season is over and we get into that trade period. That's usually a far more active trade period. The trade deadline is more like hey. The teams it, have it, kind of settled in already. The, the big thing for the NFL is more off-season, like the free agency deadline coming up and, like, opening up. That's, like, yeah. the big thing. Like, Not NBA, true. like, the trade deadline is massive for the NBA. It's huge because it can change the entire scope of the season. With the NFL, it's kind of like the off-season is when every team is going to win the Super Bowl. Okay, that's, and- that's on me. It's it was awesome. Rashawn. It was Rashawn Gary that got extended by the Packers. That's right. That's why I was very confused, and I thought that was to be a super interesting thing that someone they kept, and it, they kept the pass rusher. Smart yeah, move. That's that a, that's they, a uh, good move. An NHL move of the old sign the sign and trade. The the old sign and trade switcheroo. Well, unfortunately, no. I would love for the Packers to keep on keep on selling. Keep on selling. Just yeah, but burn it all. Need down. to not be buying. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled the Packers stink too. Like that makes me really happy. Well, I mean, unless Jordan Love was really that guy, like if they had a lot of, a lot of things going against them. I don't know if I, I don't even know if Jordan Love is that guy. He's kind of looked like shit. No, he's not. Good teams. He's not. No, I'm just saying. Like even if he was really that guy, that team was still gonna be bad. Yeah. Well, speaking of players who we don't know if they're that guy, but holy shit, they might be. Uh, We get to see Will Levis play football this Thursday after he makes his debut and throws four touchdowns. Um, That was awesome. 
I love the like I love the storyline there of the player getting you know getting overlooked, falling to the second, coming in and playing pissed off. Um it it just it works and I and I want the world for Will Levis. And he does have his work cut out for him in a very vaunted Steelers pass rush led by TJ Watt. Gage, I'm going to you first. Talk to me a little bit about the Steelers taking on the Titans. Uh, so, number one thing, um, Kenny Pickett will be playing. He is active for Thursday. As my earlier searches, as of 45 minutes ago, he's said he is playing Thursday. <clears throat> Will he be able to stay in the game Thursday? Is that the issue? Um, who knows the status of his ribs? Who knows if he takes one good shot, if he's just going to be on the sideline again? It might be one of those, hey, if you're really hurt, like just, just let the other guy get first team reps. It might help your team. Secondly, I've already said it once. It's starting to sound like Sammy's. Matt Cannon is your offensive coordinator. Your offense is the, the, almost the worst in the NFL. Probably the worst NFL after the showing Cincinnati had last week. Because Cincinnati was the last place offense in the league. So, I don't think they're in anymore. Secondly, sometimes it takes a young quarterback to just electrify an offense. And that's, that's the most Tennessee, I think, has looked great offensively in a very long time. Like, yeah, Derrick Henry got his 22 carries in over 100 yards, which is what you need. But he had room to do that now. It wasn't just a one-dimensional offense where Ryan Tannehill isn't finding DeAndre Hopkins for three touchdowns. Will Levis did exactly what he needed to. Get the ball to his playmakers, create space, let Derrick Henry eat up yards, eat up time, and just play smart. Like, he did every, checked every box you want. From a guy in his first. So, flowers to him. I'd like to see him be that guy. Because that would make for things very, very interesting in the AFC South. Very interesting. So, that's what I'm going on. I don't think he's ready for the Steelers defense and TJ Watt in his face all game quite yet. And... If Tennessee wins the turnover battle, they win this game. So I'm going to think Tennessee does. I don't think Kenny Pickett is healthy enough. I don't think he stays in the game. It's going to be 21-17 Tennessee. Uh, Yeah, see, and I don't even think it's going to be that high scoring. You've got two great defenses matching up here, no doubt about it, because you know – you know Vrabel's defense is going to be well coached. And the Titans' defense has been very solid. They've not been an elite unit, but they've been very, very I'm banking solid. on a defensive touchdown from Oh, there the has to be a defensive touchdown. At least a two-cent sure. touchdown from the Steelers. And I think Will Levis does get two. Derek Henry gets one. Like, so that's why I'm getting 21-cent. Yeah, no. And, and it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, don't, I don't like Kenny Pickett's odds of staying healthy this game. Uh, not against a very, very tough Tennessee defense. Justin, I'm going to you next. Talk to me about Tennessee-Pittsburgh. Well, I'm in agreement with you on one thing. Kenny Pickett should not be playing this game. You just got injured on Sunday. It's a short week. And there was a monster on that Tennessee defensive line by the name of Jeffrey Simmons who will 
get right at your sternum really quickly in that line. So I think Pittsburgh, and I, I do say this because I think they're coached very well on all facets. I do believe in that staff no matter what. Um, I don't trust that move. I think you're putting your potential franchise quarterback in a very dangerous situation doing this on a short week. On the flip side, going to Tennessee, uh, this was the surprise thing that happened in the trade deadline or didn't happen. I really thought Tennessee would make the trade for Ryan Tannehill to go to Minnesota and commit fully to either Will Levis or maybe, I mean, uh, yeah, Will Levis or Malik. Is it Malik Willis, the other quarterback? They're not okay. going to commit to Malik. They, I, there's no way. I, I know, but commit to a younger quarterback doing it because Ryan Tannehill is not going to be a future quarterback. You know this. We know this. Everybody knows this. So I'm surprised they didn't make that move. But this is this is Will Levis' chance to actually take over that starting job for the rest of the season. This is the rehearsal. Well, no, last week was rehearsal. This is the actual tryout to see if this could be a franchise quarterback. Yes, uh, Pittsburgh's defense is stout. Yes, TJ Watt will hit you a couple of times. However, you saw all the deep shots he was making last week to DeAndre Hopkins. Guess who's not playing in this game for that Pittsburgh defense? Minka Fitzpatrick. So there are deep shots that can be taken. And I'm pretty sure Will Levis, if you give him at least those three seconds, will capitalize on some of them. So I think Tennessee will eke out a way to win this because I really don't think Kenny Pickett's going to survive this game, and I don't trust Mitch Trubisky at all. Nor should you. That guy's terrible. I had to live with it for several years as a Bears fan, and it sucked. Every single second of it sucked. And I agree. I think we are going to see him play this Thursday because I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to be able to stay healthy. And I think Will Levis is going to be able to really replicate what he did with DeAndre Hopkins because, you know, Pittsburgh is so thin at safety with Minka Fitzpatrick out. This is going to be, you know, just a couple of, just a couple of those broken plays that Will Levis is going to be able to take advantage with the deep shot. It's not going to come often. So I don't see it being too terribly high scoring, but this still is a good matchup for Will Levis going on a short week because, if you thought going in and having your number called halfway through a game was hard, try having to go against a defense who knows you're starting, but it's still on a short week, so you have even less time to prepare. Um, but I do think Will Levis will be able to rise to the occasion, and I'm excited for him. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a really great story if it does pan out, and if it doesn't, it was a really great Sunday in October. Um, that is pretty much all the time we have for the Gridiron segment. Uh, there you have it. We're uh, oh, I didn't give a score. Let me give it. Uh, I'm gonna go. To, I'm a, I, I'm gonna go 21 10, uh, Tennessee. I, I just I, I don't think that there's gonna be much offense by the Steelers at all, and I think it's it's gonna be a Tennessee victory on Thursday night. Now that's it for the Gridiron segment. It's been so great hanging out with y'all, talking some Week Eight action, trade deadline moves, and of course breaking down Thursday night football. Yep, Justin's got to put the bag back on because the Giants are going nowhere. I've got to go cry myself to sleep because the Bears are going nowhere. Gage is going to go pray to God that Aaron Rodgers just somehow is able to magic his ankle back together and the Jets can scrape together some kind of, the, some kind of record. The three of us, the Jets are the uh, ones, 
over 500. Who would have, who would have thought? No one. Absolutely no one. <clears throat> but until the next time, that's Gage, that's Justin, I'm Kyle. We will see you on the next episode. Peace. I think it's going to be closer than most people expect. They're a terrifying <laughs> team to play against. Um, and I think they could be anyone in the league.